So I'm in the anthropology department at UK. I'm a first year doctoral student. But what I'm going to be talking about is really a little bit more about my own personal experience and what it means to go to grad school and confront this rural-urban dualism. And I'm revisiting a paper that I actually wrote um, over 10 years ago now, which was for a feminist ethics class uh, when I was attending Harvard Divinity School. And when I moved to Boston, which was the first time that I really had uh, lived in an urban area for any long period of time, I struggled a lot because I grew up rurally and I live on an off-the-grid rural homestead outside of Berea where I went to undergrad. And so moving to a city really challenged me in a lot of ways in terms of the type of environmental um, activism and practices that were possible in an urban space versus a rural space. And so, <coughs> excuse me, so what I'm going to be talking about today is basically looking back at some of the things that I thought about and wrote about in that paper and thinking about it anew as I am now commuting to Lexington from Berea as a grad student again and what those challenges um, mean for me personally but also what it might mean for um, discourse and feminist political ecology. So just to summarize uh, what I'm going to be talking about, we'll be looking at um, ecofeminism in general. I'm going to do a really brief kind of definition of what that is. I encourage you to read more. The literature is wide ranging. Um, but then I will talk about my very recent acquaintance with feminist political ecology. And then I'll talk a little bit about the rural urban dualism and just some of the assumptions that are made about those two different settings. And I'm going to hopefully illustrate how they really aren't always um, opposites in juxtaposition to one another. And then I'll share, share some of my um, new insights in terms of what it means to be um, bridging that divide currently, and then end with some questions that hopefully we can talk about after the presentation or if you're participating in the lunch later today. I would really look forward to further conversation with everyone. So ecofeminism for me was a real aha moment. The very first time I encountered this word um, was the first time I saw Rosemary Radford Ruther. She gave a lecture at, uh, on ecofeminism at Berea College. And so when she started describing uh, the premise of ecofeminism, eco which was recognizing this really inherent um, connection between social domination and oppression and environmental degradation, that these two uh, domination power systems were inextricably intertwined and that actually the um, main, I don't really like the word, victims, but um, the main people affected by environmental degradation are typically women or other um, marginalized communities who really have few resources to uh, prevent or fight back against those. And I do want to point out that um, these quotes up here from Rosemary Radford Ruther and Sally McFaig, The Body of God, these are just some of the references. It's fr uh, from a Christian feminist theological perspective. So these are references that I used in my paper um, over a decade ago. So this is by no means a comprehensive representation of, of ecofeminism because it really does span across uh, religious traditions, 
um, different ethical emphases and across different global communities in terms of what ecofeminism means. But I do think it's helpful to just note that ecology and feminism um, in this view are really seen as a mutually inclusive um, ethical standpoint. So more recently, political ecology was a big aha moment for me. As um, I came to campus last year to visit um, one of the anthropology courses before I was enrolled here, and I saw a poster for um, the political ecology conference, I was looking at this poster and I was thinking, wow, that seems really familiar to me, even though I hadn't really heard that term. It seemed very familiar and appropriate. I was intrigued by its familiarity, but it was also kind of mysterious. And so when I started school this fall and I saw um, that this conference was coming up, I went online and tried to find out more about feminist um, political ecology. And I found this article by Julia Elmhurst, which was really a good, I think, introductory, um, well, it's actually introducing new feminist political ecologies. What's interesting about this article, because I think that her main emphasis is to call for greater engagement and consideration of feminist theological perspectives within political ecology. And I must admit, I had, I had some amusement when I was reading this because how often, I mean, how common is this kind of call for more feminist literature in discipline X, fill in the blank. And so it occurred to me that... Um, what seems to me to be an obvious connection between ecofeminism eco and political ecology is not necessarily an obvious connection within political ecology itself. And so the idea that feminists once again must make this call um, was interesting to me because being new to the field and realizing that feminism is maybe newly kind of integrating itself um, is, is good to learn, and so it made me ask questions about how I might participate and contribute to this conversation. So dualism is something that ecofeminism addresses in a variety of ways. Uh, ecofeminism recognizes that dualism in itself can be very problematic in the way that, especially in Western cultures, we tend to <coughs> separate things into really neat binary opposites and typically those um, opposites are viewed in this superior and inferior um, hierarchy. That in those opposites of rural and urban, for example, typically we, um, we think of urban as being superior because that is a, a, a symbol of civilization and technological advancement and um, political organization. Similarly, um, ecofeminism would look at other dualisms like nature and culture, the way that women are typically associated with nature and culture um, with masculine identity. And so we could go on and on with those opposites. But looking specifically at living in an urban space versus a rural space, I uh, looked at some of the differences in terms of what I was experiencing. This is, um, I do want to point out, when I, when, I mean, when I say rural here, I mean both my life on a somewhat remote piece of land, 
which is outside of Berea um, in Rockcastle County, as well as my professional, social, and economic community of Berea, which is a small town. So I'm considering both this like hyper rural out in the woods perspective and small town as being rural. And so I'm trying to complicate even what we think about as rural as any kind of singular um, concept. And then of course by urban, I mean living in a city long term for the first time. So I'm talking specifically about living in Boston here. And so some of the things that I had to deal with was the fact that we compost on a regular basis. And so that was kind of a no-brainer to me. But then moving to the city and talking to my landlady, she was like, oh gee, I don't really think we should put that in the backyard because rats might um, come. And so what was I supposed to do with my food waste that ethically I don't agree with throwing that away? So it took some work, for example, to find like a local community garden that had a compost bin. So I could walk a couple of blocks and drop things off. So that's just an example. Um, and then in recycling, well, it depends because city recycling is offered in Berea, but I don't live in town, so I don't have recycling up and you don't have to do that manually. Urban recycling, I was astounded in Boston to learn that styrofoam was one of the recyclable products in a city. So that's just to show that environmentalism is not necessarily based in this kind of like back to the land aesthetic um, standpoint that we maybe um, associate with that, but that living in urban spaces can actually provide resources for environmental activism that are not available in rural spaces. Solid waste, by this I mean human shit. <laughs> and we have a composting toilet system at our house. It is a part of our um, ecological practice. It's a part of our spiritual practice in terms of rebuilding the soil um, that we live on. And so going to the bathroom and drinking water does not make sense to me. It's really gross. But ultimately, living in a city environment, there is no other option. I was basically a slave to the kind of plumbing sewage system of this urban landscape because, you know, there's really not a, 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 another alternative in that. So uh, transportation, rural transportation, uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that later. Urban transportation, wow. You can ride the bus, you can ride the subway, you can ride your bike, you can walk. The enormity of um, transportation and what that means for ecological activism um, really was unknown to me until I experienced this lifestyle. And then water, I'm very fortunate to have clean water access at my home. And so what I mean by depends in the city is, well, it depends on what you mean by clean water. So clean water could be spring water from a bottle, but that has ecological implications. And so there are movements for uh, drinking more tap water, for example. And just quickly, I'll, I'll touch on um, some of these more social justice issues that I think are important to look at in rural and urban terms. In Berea, it's a very, very diverse community. It's unusual for a small town of its size. Where I live on Clear Creek, very homogenous. White people, um, mostly homogenous economics. Um, economy, you know, it depends on what you have access to. Fairness, and I mean this in terms of um, being queer on Clear Creek, which is a really rural place, and um, 
you have allies and, and sometimes you don't. Um, had an amazing feminist community um, in Boston. And then land equity, I mean, this is really, um, I'm talking about distribution of land, but also access to, um, <clears throat> access to mineral rights, water rights, um, industrial waste, how that gets distributed as well. And I'll quickly touch on this. Um, at the time that I wrote this original paper, I was really curious, and well, what is, what is a real urban model for environmental sustainability? Because I was curious, well, how, how is this done? Because there's little pockets here and there. And I do encourage you to look up more about Curitiba, Brazil, because at the time, I was astounded that the city really had these, um, these ecological and social justice models in which they, uh, for example, their recycling program is run by um, homeless people. So there is a way that they are providing economic opportunity through this um, environmental activism. Now, living back in Kentucky, just to kind of follow the same model of what I was looking at in terms of Curitiba, because one of the things that comes up again and again is their excellent transportation system. And so now that I'm living in a rural place in Kentucky and I'm driving to Lexington for class, I have been increasingly frustrated by my lack of options. And in fact, um, they haven't really changed in the past, um, I guess, 13 years now. It's been quite a while. Um, they no longer recycle glass where I have to physically haul my recycling. So certain aspects have diminished in terms of my environmental activism. Um, there is some mass transit in Berea, if you want to call it that, little buses, um, Lextran in Lexington. But how do you get from one place to the other? There really isn't any transportation infrastructure. And what I'm focusing on here is clearly the more environmental action uh, perspective of this rather than the social justice issue, but I think it's important to point out that access is always a social justice issue, regardless of what we're talking about. If it's clean water, if it's local um, nutritious foods, if it's transportation. Um, so I will leave you with a few questions because I don't have an answer. Um, I cannot personally subsidize a high-speed train system that connects Berea to Lexington. Um, so pretty much I just have to do what I have to do. Um, but how can human energy and ecological needs be met in a way that incorporates social justice? I think that's a key issue um, that ecofeminism automatically assumes and that feminist political ecology is clearly calling for. How can these models be adapted and applied locally in multiple and, and diverse sites and contexts? because there isn't a universal solution to any of these environmental or social problems. But we also know that we can learn from one another and that certain models can be applied in different settings and perhaps be adjusted to the local context and the local needs of those people in that environment. And then also, um, in the absence of accessible and affordable options, what do we do? And that's the, that's the one that I'm really struggling with. And these are just the things that are on my mind as I re-enter academia and am confronted yet again with this eco-feminist eco ethical conundrum. So thank you. <laughs>